Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Network Hour podcast. I am your host, Molly Kreese, and today I have a special guest with me. Her name is Marsha Gregg. She is from the beautiful small island, Caribbean island called St. Vincent and the Grenadines. We are both from the island. I am going to be biased and say it's the most beautiful island in the world, but um, that's just me. But Marsha is an assistant fiscal officer with over 10 years experience in the accounting and finance field. And one of her passions is about helping women through entrepreneurship and personal financial management. She's also a certified financial coach, and she also um, has fun creating art. I'm going to ask her about that later on. Um, she is also of the Christian faith, and she also likes um, to do journaling. So we're going to get into everything. Welcome to the Network Hour podcast, Marsha. Thank you, Marnie. It's good to be here. Okay, so my first question for you is, what do you think are some of the different, well, you've, you've migrated from St. Vincent to the USA and um, give me one good, um, good thing about moving from St. Vincent to the USA and mm -hmm. then give me one bad thing about moving from St. Vincent to the USA. <laughs> That's quite interesting. Um... So I only recently moved up, maybe I think I would say about five or six years ago. But nevertheless, one of the good things about being in the US is I think there is a vast amount of opportunities for persons to excel in many different areas. Um, if you wanna get, depends on wherever you wanna go, there is an avenue for you to take. And I don't think there is much of that in the Caribbean. Um, in the Caribbean, most of the things is just one straight path. You grow up, you go to school, you either get a job with the government, teaching, police officers, or so on. But in the USA, you do have different opportunities, different fields you can get into, and, and you, that would pique your interest. One of the bad things, uh, I don't want to say bad, but one of the negative things that I've noticed <laughs> is that even though there are a lot of opportunities, there's a lot of loopholes sometimes that you have to go through in order to be able to really capitalize on these opportunities. As well as added to that, there is the distance, I would say, between people. It doesn't feel like family where, you know, if something is not going, your neighbor or your sister or brother would be able to help you. Up here, you have to be mentally strong to be able to get through whatever it is you, you're planning on and working on. I guess, what, I guess that's why they say if you make it here, you can make it anywhere, right? Yeah. <laughs> because back home you need a cup of rice you run over by the neighbor you get a cup of rice yes you go outside you pick a breadfruit, fruit or you you pick some mangoes and you make mango juice and all that kind of stuff that's not really the the living up here so so i could see that those are the things i miss about st vincent as well as the nice bright sunny sparkling beaches and and, and all of that stuff so yeah um I hope I'm not going to personal here but you you can tell me if you don't want to answer but um how is it well maybe you have someone so you can tell me if you have someone but how is it dating with the dating in in, in the US 
uh, versus the Caribbean. Um, I can uh, tell you my experience, but I want to hear yours. Well, the thing is, I haven't dated anyone since I've been up here. Oh, uh, yes. Um, <laughs> and I think it has a lot to do with not necessarily fear, but I think because of the fact that if I do meet somebody, it's like I'm meeting a totally new person and there really isn't any um, person I can do background checks with. Mm. So I'm, I tend to be so very careful of getting into any relationships. So I do have friends and I kind of hang out with friends from church and so on, but nothing personal in terms of dating on that scene to get married. Oh, okay. So I can tell you it's a dog eat dog world out there. Um, I, <laughs> It's different in the Caribbean in some because it's such a small island and mm. the person who you date, you probably know them from since they were hella small, right? Uh, yes. Up here, you don't, it's such a big uh, melting pot of different people from all over the, all over the place. It's much mm -hmm. harder. I was telling my sister today, I am tired. I am tired <laughs> of raising a man. I want you to come <laughs> to me whole. I don't want to raise you anymore. <laughs> Come to me whole. Oh my God. <laughs> and, she, and she was like, put that on a Facebook post. Put that on a post. I'm like, I am tired of raising men. Yeah. Go fix your trauma, fix yourself, and then come to me whole because I'm coming yes. to you whole. But I digress. I digress. I digress. Yeah. <laughs> I digress. So um, tell me about, um, you talk about your Christian faith and all of that mm -hmm. stuff. And um, there is so many issues going on in the U.S. that we don't necessarily experience in the Caribbean, right? Because uh, for the most part, we are shielded from those kind of a stuff. So how do you, um, how do you at the same time keep your Christian faith and what you believe in, but also have, uh, also have empathy and um, understanding uh, for other people and for what is going on in the world, especially the U.S. today? Right. That's a good question. And I think it takes us back to Jesus and who he was when he walked on this earth. And if we follow his example closely as Christians, we would see that even though he taught principles that we ought to live by today, he was also very sympathetic and he had empathy to the persons at that time who didn't really believe in what he was teaching or may have veered off from some of the things that he did. And so I think he has blessed me with um, an environment that I'm in in church where we are being taught to have empathy towards others since we have a, a department that is geared specifically towards missions so mm -hmm. it's always like a people-centered um, church that I'm in and outside of that I think growing up as well um having a Christian background, coming from home where we see there are so many persons who needed help and in some instances we were in a better position to help them, then that I would say developed my empathy muscle yeah. so that even though I see things that are happening today and we know that half of the things that they're doing is going against the word of God, we can still, I well, I mean, I can still fall back on what I've learned and say, okay, I... I have the light because I, I believe in what 
the word of God say that I can see what it says true. Mm -hmm. But then there are a lot of persons who have not been exposed to that. And because of that, we have to be very sympathetic to them and we can't cast judgment on them. So that's really the standpoint I take in order to balance being like, okay, how come you don't know this? And then being able to say, okay, I understand where you are and still extend love towards them. Yeah, that is such important. I always remember the Bible says, judge not unless he be judged so when you think you're up here high, high and mighty and judging yeah. someone else mm -hmm. god is saying no you're not even there yet so why are you judging right. this person right. and uh today my me and my sister was having a discussion mm -hmm. uh we're not gonna go into it about the bill, the bill that passed and all that kind of stuff right. and mm -hmm. i was saying to her are we forgetting that god give us a choice he right. didn't he didn't demand us and say you have to serve me he mm -hmm. gave us a choice. He laid mm -hmm. out. He laid out what would happen and what the consequences would be and all of that mm -hmm. stuff. But he still, he still gave us a choice. He said, "It's your free will to do whatever you want." So um, that always, that always gets me uh, when when men try to inflict stuff on other men and all of that stuff. I always go back to that and try to um, say, "I am going to try not to inflict my faith." on other people because mm -hmm. they might be looking at it from a different standpoint and we also yeah. have to remember god is the one that saves not us we're not That's we're true. not we're not the savior of people so That's that true. that that is that is definitely um definitely so important yeah so i want to talk about your background your 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 um tell me a little bit about growing up in st vincent your childhood was it fun I know we Caribbean, we have strict parents and all that kind of stuff. Uh, give us, give us a little, give us a little story. Well, uh, growing up for me was fun. I think it's because of the fact that I didn't have much responsibilities in terms. We were free. We were able to just be children. Um, unlike today, we see that sometimes children has to take on adult responsibility. Well, I was never in that position. I grew up with my parents were still married together. I was about two when my mom got saved and we grew up in church. Mm -hmm. My dad was the I would say a little lenient one, but my mom was a disciplinarian. Like, you know, everything had to be straight for her. You have to be straight in school with yeah. your, your grades and all of that stuff. And we had to be up by 6 a.m. in the morning because devotions was a must in our homes. And we had to get our chores done before we go to school. But we always look forward to the weekends because in the neighborhood where we lived, there were so many other children around. And we loved the sea because we lived near to the sea. So on the weekends and the Saturday when our work was done, it was like we had a neighborhood beach line <laughs> in the sea. Like all the kids would come over, we were just good and they had have fun. And, you know, those were memories that... I tend to hold on to because where we come from is really what shapes us into yeah. who we are today. Um, but I would say I had a lovely childhood. I mean, there were instances where I, I would say um, I've had issues that could have caused me trauma long term, but because of the family unit that I've been in, where there was support and there was love, I was able to grow into who I am today. Yeah, family, family is so important. My mom had, 
my mom had six of us and uh <laughs> i said to my niece all the time you are so privileged because she has a full decked out bedroom with um books and she got her tv in there and she got laptop and tablet and all this stuff and i'm like we didn't have any of that no (laughs) i remember us having toys and having to share one toy and it was a box of building blocks that my mom bought and that that was it and all of us Mm -hmm. would share that and build the building blocks i don't know was that the same for you well I didn't we didn't have to share it but we had to wait until Christmas to get toys <laughs> so every Christmas we would look forward to something that was coming because that was the time that I would say the parents were a little bit more generous because now everybody's expecting gifts so it's, it's free to give a little something more but generally we grew up understanding that we didn't have a whole lot and we had to make do with what we have so while we didn't have to share toys, we still had to understand that concept. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, your childhood is so important and it, it shapes you so much for you, for um, the future you that, that you become. And so I want to ask you about your trajectory that you took. Um, was it planned uh, professionally of uh, where you are today? Was it planned? And also, what were some of the challenges that you faced getting to this point where you're at now? Um, In terms of being planned, I think my life has been planned by God. That's my belief. Mm -hmm. Many times, I think we take the route of where uh, he didn't want us to go, but still he used that to bring us exactly where he wanted. So, like I said before, I grew up in a household where we didn't have a whole lot. My dad was basically the main provider in the home, even though and I grew up seeing my mom at home, and she would do you know what what at the at then in that time they would call them like housekeepers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think today they call them household engineers. <laughs> so back then. Mm-hmm. She would work with couples and so forth and clean homes and and laundry and so on and bring a little extra into the home. But my dad was the main provider. So I grew up seeing that. And because we didn't have enough, I vowed that when I get older, I'm not going to do that kind of work, but I'm going to get into money. So that's how I got into finance. But even before I got into that, I started teaching. And that was one profession that I said I would never get into. But like I said, I think God planned that out where I had to go through those years of teaching to really learn and develop certain skills and certain character traits and so on in order to be able to go into the field that I'm in today, which is finance and with financial coaching and more so towards women. Um, The reason why I decided to choose that particular market is really because I see that when women are in a position where they're not financially independent, they're not in control of their finances, which inevitably control how they live their lives, it tends to have a negative impact on them, on their self-image, their self-esteem, and and sometimes they tend to get into relationships because they're dependent on the other person for providing that financial need for them. And in my mind, I was like, we don't need to do that. Then if we're in a position, we're able to control our finances, then we can control who we accept in our lives. Yeah, 
yeah, that 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 is very, very important. And we're gonna get into that. But I I wanted to ask you, um, over the years, uh, going through your school and your first job, what was your first job? The first job I got when I came from college, um, I started working with a hotel as their bookkeeper at the time, in the accounting department. Yeah, that was yeah, that was the first thing I did. Okay. I remember my first job was at um I don't know if you know or remember was at Ken Mars. They oh, had yeah. a bunch mm-hmm. of stores inside there. Mm-hmm. I, I remember I was working at one of the stores inside there. That was my first job. Um <laughs> have uh going back into these memories, it's so awesome. Uh, <laughs> um is there anything, any decision along the way that you made that you think now? When you look back, you say, um, had I done this, I would have probably been far along or I would have been um, corrected that mistake or done something differently. Do you ever look back and say, I shouldn't have done that or I wish I had known better there or anything like that? I do that on many occasions. Oh, okay, <laughs> so it's not just me. It's not, it's not just me. Okay, good. <laughs> I do that and in so many different areas of my life because um I'll start with the spiritual. So sometimes I look at myself and today, yes, I am happy with the relationship I have with God, but I look back and I was like, okay, why didn't I not understand that we can actually have a relationship like this with God when I was younger, when I was 14, 15, 16? Maybe I would have been able to follow his direction better. Mm-hmm. I probably would have gotten half of the things that I had written down on my list that I wanted to accomplish before I was 26. Mm-hmm. So yes, I do. And then when it comes to education, because when I went into college the first time, we didn't have all the money necessary. So my dad had to mortgage his home to pay the rest to get me there. And sometimes I think, what if he didn't do that? Uh, What if I chose not to go to college because we didn't have the money and then decide, let me just work. Then maybe what what would my life has been been like today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and with relationships, don't talk oh about god, that. oh my I'm god. Like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, so what was I thinking at the time when I happened to be in this relationship? And I always go back to that, you know, if I know today, if if I knew then what I know today, I would not have been in some of those relationships. Yeah, oh my god. And yeah, and I think the last thing I thought about was um doing my MBA. So I did that a good few years after I finished my first degree, as opposed to like some persons who do and then get straight into it. And then I think, what if I had done it a little earlier than I did um, at the time I did? Would I have been able to be more advanced than where I am today? Or, you know, so most of the times when I think like that, I kind of just go back to, okay, whatever is to be, will be. So if this is how God set it up, then this is how I got to go with it. Yeah, I say that all the time at the end of it, but then you're human, so you can't help but think and go back. And sometimes I'm like, I I know I was always entrepreneurship minded because my mom had a selling scythe and and going up to the school with a tray and selling snacks to the kids and all that stuff. 
but mm -hmm. I'm saying I focus more on education and not on entrepreneurship. And now I'm doing entrepreneurship later in my life versus earlier. And I'm like, had I done it earlier, maybe I would have been this big thing in entrepreneurship versus just starting out. I think about that all the time. And then I think about uh, when I came to the US, I was actually running from a breakup because I was just fresh out of a breakup. I was, I was like, I think I was like a size four from that breakup. I was just wow. not mentally there. My mom, all, she was like, come on, you got to snap out of it. And I, I was like, I, 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 after that, I felt I had no sense of direction because I was mm -hmm. engaged. I was getting ready to be married and all of that just um, went away, just crushed. And I was going to work. And I think, and I, oh, when I look back, I always say, thank you, Jesus, because it was not in my mind to come away to study but it just so happened that Monroe College came to St. Vincent and yeah. was recruiting. And so I, I was like, oh, maybe I can do this. And I got the information, figured it out, talked to my parents. And then I was on a plane to come to, to, to study in Monroe College. And I'm like, when I look back at it, I'm like, maybe I wasn't supposed to get married at that time. Maybe God knew what was going to happen and all of that stuff why he allowed that relationship to be dissolved or whatever you you can never true. know right because god don't, he don't always tell you when he makes decisions no, he does not <laughs> and so and so sometimes you look back and you say i should have could have would have but thank yeah. god thank god mm -hmm. for journey and mercies so I, right. I just i just wanted to find that out because i'm like i do it so i hope she does it but <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I guess so. So yeah. let's talk about what you do. You are a financial, um, financial, what did I say? Financial coach. Mm -hmm. um, yes, you're assistant fiscal officer. So tell, tell us about that. Okay, so I currently work with a company called Friends of Crown Heights. We're like the biggest nonprofit daycare organization in Brooklyn. We have, currently we have 20 different locations across the three um, boroughs, Manhattan, Brooklyn, and we do have in Queens as well. Oh, I didn't know and that. 20? Yes. Yes. Oh, wow. And so now what, what I do is I work in the admin department, which is um, finance slash admin, and we manage the budget. So my particular portfolio, where I manage the budget, some of the budgets in terms of um, getting the budgets prepared for our fiscal year, which starts between July to June. Also invoicing all the expenses because we're funded by the city. So we have to report to the city how the money is spent. So that's part of my portfolio as well, as well as internally being able to prepare documents that are necessary for auditing and so forth. Um, giving monthly reports to the CEO and board in order to them to be able to see how the budget is being used whether it's been used in the proper categories and so on and so forth yeah what do you what do you um because i have a financial background as well and um i can't seem to get out of it so my passion for for mentorship i i kind of mirror the two 
But what do you love about finance and, and what is ful fulfilling to you? Because you mentioned about having that passion for helping women. And um, you talk about through entrepreneurship and, and through uh, personal financial management. So you work with Friends of Crown Heights, the assistant fiscal officer. Um, mm -hmm. But when do you have time to um, help women with the entrepreneurship and financial management? And also, why is that such a passion of yours? Okay, well, I work full time there. So at least seven and a half hours a day. So most of anything that I do outside of work is done on evenings after work or on weekends. So I would <clears throat> help ladies in terms of managing their personal finance. And for me, it's because as a single woman living in the USA, you have to be able to take care of yourself yes. since you have no one else to take care of you. And so in order for you to take care of yourself, you have to be able to manage your finances properly. And I've had lots of conversations with women around my age, maybe younger, and I would hear the struggles that they talk about. Sometimes they're not able to pay their rent properly or sometimes, and some of them are single moms where they still have to take care of their the child by themselves. And so they have so many different expenses coming and the income is not even matching up to the expenses. So then you hear the struggle coming out from what they're saying. And then I always believe that whenever God exposes you to a burden, then you ought to do something about it. You might not be able to change the entire world, but you should be able to do something to change that one person who's speaking to you. And so what I do is that I help women to start with budgeting. And while some may think that budgeting is restrictive, it actually gives you a lot of leeway to be able to tell your money where to go, what you do with the money. So I speak with women, I show them how this helps, how it works for them. And I work with them according to what their income looks like, what their expenses look like, and then look for ways in which they can either do both, increase their income, as well as cut some expenses that might not be necessary for that particular season that they're in, in their lives. Why do you, what do you think are some of the reasons women go through this um, financial hardship? Uh, I believe it has a lot to do with how we were brought up. Many of us come from the old traditional way where we were taught to be homemakers, that we have to stay in the home and we don't have to work and the men would be the providers for us. And so a lot of women grew up with that sort of thinking and our mindset was more where someone will have to take care of us mm -hmm. and like we have to take care of ourselves. So then now coming from that mindset and being put into to the environment where you have to take care of yourself you have to exercise discipline and so on and some of these things I don't think we were taught growing up because we weren't it wasn't necessary for us to learn it so and, and then I feel that a lot of times we get into situations that cause us a lot of financial stress and again it goes back to our programming our mindset where we come from how do we make decisions in terms of choosing the person that we're going to be having babies with and so on and so forth. And then when that happens now, we tend to fall back on our old programming. So seeing that coming from where I came from and know that a lot of the things that I know today, I didn't know that from growing up, but I knew it from learning and being involved in different 
communities like this one, We Network, where you learn from so many different women, different backgrounds and so on. So then I'm able to help them to get from where they are to hopefully where they wanna be. Because the thing is, a lot of women, we have dreams. We have a lot of big dreams. And sometimes we bury them because of what we were taught. Yeah. And, and today, I mean, I can see that there are so many movements out here that are speaking to women to bring out what is inside of them. And in order for us to do that, sometimes we have to have proper finances. Yeah. And, and, and how do you get women to change that mindset? Because you're taught something from small. It's, it's embedded in you. It's hard to get mm-hmm. rid of that. So what are some, what are some tips? What are some advice? Um, that you use uh, when you talk to these women and for the women that are listening to this podcast, how do, what steps do they take to, to change that mindset and to put themselves in that, in that shape to be um, financially sound and to have a good relationship with money? Right. Well, the first thing you have to do is you have to want to get out from where you are. Because if you don't, then you're never going to do anything about it. And so once you have decided that this particular environment is not good for me, this is not where I want to want to be, then you have to get out of it. And how do you do that? For me, what I did was to educate myself. So I created a personal development plan. I listened to Dr. John Maxwell a lot, who's one of our leadership gurus. Mm-hmm. And I heard him spoke about growing is not, it doesn't happen by accident. It is intentional. It's something that you have to plan. And he spoke about creating a development plan for yourself in terms of the books that you want to read, the conferences that you want to attend, the circle that you want to be in. And so I created one of that for myself and started reading and be listening to podcasts a lot like this one and many others that speak on the topic of finance. And also I listen a lot to Dr. Um, not Dr. <laughs> to Dave Ramsey. And I even went through his financial peace class and then did the coaching. So I sort of immersed myself into the area of pain that I wanted to change. And so because if if I didn't do that, then I would still not have the knowledge that I need. And outside of getting the knowledge and the education, I now had to implement what he was saying. So taking it one step at a time, started budgeting intentionally on a monthly basis and then breaking it down weekly and bi-weekly and so on and so forth. Even so much so that I went and created my own journal for my own finances so that I can keep track of what's happening. Because if you never track it, you'll never know what's happening in your, in your money. And if I'm at, let's say, out of $5,000, but I want to get to 10000 I have to create a pathway to get there. And then I have to be able to track to see if I'm really on the path that I need to get there. So I would say educate yourself. Um, find a community of women where where you can learn from each other in terms of this, because we have so many women today who are making five figures, six figures, even seven figures in their businesses. So it's not impossible for you as a woman to do it. And, you know, educate yourself, get into the community and practice what you're learning, put it into place and be intentional about what you're doing. Yeah, so that is such such great advice. And I'm, I'm, I was taking notes here as you were talking 
And a changing that mindset is so important and you have to want to change. You yes. have to want to be in that better place. So once you, mm-hmm. once you want to do that, then you have to educate yourself and learn mm-hmm. some tips and steps on how to do that. You got to be consistent. Mm-hmm. You got to find a community that will push you and hold you accountable. Mm-hmm. And you got to, you got to do it um, for the betterment and for the advancement of yourself. So that is such, that is such great, such great advice, such great advice. Um, we're, we're winding down to the end. The time goes by so quickly when, you, <laughs> when, when you're having fun. Um, talk to me, talk to me a little bit about, uh, because in your bio, I read about, you talk about your journaling, which I think that is so important to do sometimes. Um, things going up in your head and it's good to write it down. And there are so many authors out there that started mm-hmm. from journaling and then manifested that into a book. So I, mm-hmm. I commend you for doing that. I have to start doing that. I, I am not good at, at, at the journaling, but um, commend you on doing that. <laughs> uh, talk about the art. You say you create art from, from recycled bottles or whatever. What kind of art is that? Yes, and I should have had one to show ah, you. That would have been awesome to see. Yes. If I can just, oh, there's one right there. I can just get it. Oh, for you of, when I'm of done. course, you can get but it. But what I do is that, you know, there are these wine bottles and, and so on that when it's finished, most of the time we just recycle them. So what I found was doing that helped me to relax. So I would take, I would use acrylic paint and so on and then create these sort of images in my head sometimes and then I'll just paint them out in bottles and then just look at it well let me just get one so that oh that's pretty cool I would love to see that (laughs) I think art is such a a great expression and it helps to de-stress and all of that stuff so oh my okay so that's amazing (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's amazing that's that's really good yeah it's it's more like a hobby to me and like I said it helps me to relax and I think I just love seeing it and and in my mind what I thought about when I did it the first time it was just a hobby Mm. but then as I constantly do it you know you get these revelations and then I look at it and say could you imagine this bottle had no look no form no nothing and then from a few bits of paint and colors here and there you look at it and you're in awe could you imagine thinking about us and how god transforms us yeah when we look at ourselves sometimes we think that we're nothing but then god does his work and then you're like oh my god you are such a masterpiece <laughs> have you taught have you taught about selling selling um really getting I into selling i haven't thought about that as yet okay that's a good idea <laughs> yes it is people buy stuff quirky stuff like that uh, to decorate their homes and stuff mm-hmm. so that might be something you want to look into mm-hmm. um i wanted to ask you about uh toastmasters really quick because i know mm-hmm. toastmasters you're in toastmasters it has been a foundation for you to, um, I would say, build your confidence to be able to speak better and all mm-hmm. of that stuff. So uh, just give me uh, one quick experience of your time in Toastmasters. And for our listeners, give us, uh, I would say, two quick, um, two quick advantages of being a part of 
as such an organization as Toastmasters? Okay, so one of, I would say one of my experiences so far is, even though I loved speaking, I had the fear of speaking, of standing in front of people, I'd have to go through an entire ritual before I can even speak. And being in Toastmasters and having to do speeches over a period of time and getting great feedback from your peers has helped me to somewhat conquer that fear. Mm -hmm. So where I, I can stand and I can speak, for example, even though we're having a conversation but doing this podcast with you, I'm able to be more relaxed and confident in what I'm saying. And two of the advantages is, like you said, one of them, it has to be their self-confidence because many times we have potential, but we can't even unleash it because we don't have the confidence that we can even do what we think we can. And in Toastmasters, you get a lot of support. Um, your peers give you feedback. It's not criticism. They give you feedback that you can implement to help to develop not just your speaking, but also your self-confidence, your self-esteem, your self-image, and so on and so forth. And one of the other things is that it helps you professionally as well in your job, in your workplaces, and also helps to launch you into different areas of um, speaking careers, maybe coaching, and so on. And So it's, it's like a catalyst for you to move into many different things. That's amazing. Any, any word of wisdom for our listeners? Any, any last minute advice, tips, or something you just want to lay on us? Uh, I know you have those um, little nuggets there. So give us, give us something that's going to wow us and make us uh, think and go through the rest of, rest of the week or the rest of the day when people listen to this podcast. Well, one of the things that I want to say, I, I don't know if it's going to wow you, but I hope it does, <laughs> is that I believe that we all have something inside of us that the world needs. And I think that for too long, we have kept it hidden. And I, I applaud what you're doing because you're exposing a lot of talents, a lot of women in so many different areas that I think for too long have been in obscurity. And so what I would say to the listeners is that dig deep and find out who you are, why you are here and what gift you need to give to the world because we're all gifts and we're all wrapped. But if we never unwrap ourselves then the world is not going to see what's inside of the gift. So we have to dig inside and find out what is in there and then do all that we can do in our power to ensure that the world experiences us that was amazing you said it was not gonna allow me i really love that gift part unwrap the gift see what's yeah. inside it doesn't make sense you having a gift and you never open it like you said we got gifts for christmas and birthdays and all that stuff if we never open it, we don't know what we're going to get. So mm -hmm. I really like that you said that. You have the gift there. Don't be scared. Unwrap it. Open it. And you might be surprised. It might be such a pleasant surprise of what's in there. And, and I remember once when you said that, I remember there was a song. Um, I forgot who sang it. But you said, God said, what is that you have in your hand? I can use it. If you, if you give it to me, right. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's similar like that, like that gift, he's given you a gift and he's just saying to you, open it, 
I want you to open it and, and, and use, use what I've given to you. So that was, that was awesome. That was amazing. That was a great end to the podcast. I, I had so much fun. I hope everyone that's listening to this enjoyed it, enjoyed the message, um, can learn from, from what you, your story and what you've given here. So I want to say thank you so much uh, for coming through and sharing your story with us. Thank you so much, Marsha. And to everyone out there, thank you for listening. This has been another episode of the Network Hour podcast. Until next time, live, laugh, and love and open that gap so you can see what's inside. And we are out of here. <laughs>